1: Welcome, you're listening to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones
2: with Peter Seigel. I am Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. And before we begin our recap of Season 7, Episode 2 of Game of Thrones, there's a young gentleman here who <laughs> apparently has something to say.
0: Do we have a horn? Can I blow up? Perfect. Ahem. Hear ye, hear ye, I am Miles Dornboss, Squire of Peter, House Sagel, sent to deliver some most inauspicious news. The Elder Peter... I can't do this bit anymore, guys. (laughs) Even though Peter and I do have kind of a Breanne and Pod situation, except that (laughs) Peter is way balder and I'm way less good at sex. Uh, I am his sloppily arranged uh, replacement for this week.
2: Oh, yeah. We couldn't get Tom Hanks to sub for Peter, so we're going with Miles. I know. Miles, you know Peter well.
0: I do. Perhaps too well, some might say. (laughs) But I have promised as his temporary squire to not besmirch his name. Name, unless you ask really politely. Then I will do it all over the place, and I'll tell you about all the times he's farted in the office. I
1: mean, I gotta say, part <laughs> of our criteria was, like, Miles is great because not only does he work with Peter at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me as a producer... But also, he'd probably be good at Peter Segel's shit talk. So welcome. <laughs> it's, true.
0: it's the one thing I'm good at. So the only reason I've been able to keep a job for this long.
1: Well, and to be clear, also you do watch Game of Thrones. I do so watch that's Game of helpful Thrones. In this specific context, I have a book well.
0: full of notes here that has just names written down. Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: <laughs> welcome it's, to recaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, before we get to the recap, we actually do have a pretty interesting voicemail that I think we should take a listen to.
3: Hi guys, long time fan, first time caller. It's Peter. I am in California at an annual gathering I go to in a beautiful place far in the woods where there not only is no cable TV, there's no internet, there's not even cell phone service. So I'm taking a wonderful break from all electronics, and I'm under the trees, and I am totally fine with missing This week's episode of Game of Thrones. Not even thinking about it. Instead, I have in fact sent my friend and producer Miles Dernbach to help you guys out. He's funny, he's charming, you might know him as the uh, voice of the Wait Wait Twitter feed. He's he's, uh, even wiser than I am about the ways of uh, pop culture. He's sort of, if I'm Stannis, i.e. the worst, he's Tyrion, although a vegetarian version. Anyway, I'm having a wonderful time. I hope you guys are enjoying yourself talking about a TV show. I... And enjoying nature and i'll talk to you next week Bye.
1: i gotta say it's really hard to picture peter enjoying nature anybody else no if
2: he's on a bicycle or running That's through true. it, those are the two but ways. sitting That's still it.
1: in it <laughs> I don't you Can't know.
0: do it otherwise. I'd also like to point out that Peter and I have been working together for about 5 years and he still can't <laughs> pronounce yeah, my
1: last name. i was wondering <laughs> about that, but you know he says Cersei also. He so does. you're just That's in true. the canon of all <laughs> of know. the weird mispronunciations
0: it in It works Peter's out great life. for me. He also uh, says popcorn instead of popcorn, does he so really... really Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh no! It doesn't make any sense. Next time, bring some popcorn in here, and you guys will have a great time.
1: <laughs> all right, so we are here to rehash season seven, episode two of Game of Thrones. It was called Stormborn, and all the things happened. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it starts. Dark and
2: stormy night.
0: Dragonstone, Dragonstone, <laughs> Dragonstone.
2: <laughs> oh, a place so the nice they one. named it thrice. <laughs>
1: Wow. So, yeah, did Dragonstone feel to you guys like Wet Dorn 2.0? Yeah,
2: I've never seen it quite so stormy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also, I I understand that maybe we're keeping our focus very very narrow shouldn't there be people in dragonstone <laughs> it feels like it's just the six of them and that is it
1: and they're always like so artfully arranged
0: in the room <laughs> exactly. it felt very stilted they to plan me. it out beforehand like they have a stage director coming and is like here's your tableau be just in stand in it and do not
2: move <laughs> look at each other don't say anything <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, it's very confusing that there's not uh, any servants having lights on in any other windows. There's no, I mean, like, where are the rest of the Unsullied? Are they still standing on the ships? Are they still the only ones who came ashore? That seems rude. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't seen the dragons at all either, have we? Well, we saw them sort of swooping the Dragonstone Castle at the end of last episode. We haven't
0: seen a single Dothraki yet. (laughs) <laughs> which feels not quite right. Yeah, Seeing I feel as like they're very seasick. Of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're still just vomiting throughout Dragonstone. Yeah. That's just what's happening.
2: Yep. Once <laughs> you guys get your shit together, you can come ashore, but we don't have any of that special medicine for people who are seasick. Because, <laughs> right, they call it the poison water. The Dothraki have never been to Westeros, as Cersei will discuss later. Yes. But, yeah, so they've never been to... Dragonstone, they've never been to Westeros because they think of the sea as poison water. So I'm sure they had a grand time.
0: You can think of some other people who might now think of the sea as poison oh, water, which again, we'll probably get to a little later. Very
2: good point. So this was, I do think, pretty fun to see now. She's got sort of the head of each of her allied yes. houses. So we have Illeria Sand, we have Lady Olena from the House Terrell. So good to see her again. We have mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. Anytime anytime she's in the room, I'm just like, yes, there will yes. be wisdom, Bez. Yes. <laughs> and there was. She did her little like side moment with Danny before mm-hmm. they left the room, which I really so enjoyed, where she was like, I've known a lot of clever men in my life, and I've outlived them all <laughs> by ignoring them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she also got the great like all men are sheep. You are a dragon. Like that kind of is a that's a great great moment. But <laughs> I think that Danny might might also be a sheep too. I've got a feeling that things mm. may not work out particularly well. I'm A little bit nervous.
2: I do like that she seems to be accepting advice, which I haven't seen her really do at all from anyone ever before, except a little bit from Tyrion. So the fact that Lady Olenna literally says, "Will you take some advice from an old woman?" and Amelia Clark just kind of nods <laughs> <Yes>. go on go <laughs>
1: on well and I think I loved the, the Varys section that mm. happened in there too right because this is something we've talked about before like wondering what actually Varys's angles are and in some ways he almost seems like one of the purest characters on the show because you know as we've talked about he's not out for the throne like he really does just seem to be standing up for the people and this particular speech he gives really does indicate exactly that
3: I wasn't born into a great house I came from nothing. I was sold as a slave and carved up as an offering. When I was a child, I lived in alleys, gutters, abandoned houses. You wish to know where my true loyalties lie? Not with any king or queen, but with the people. The people who suffer under despots and prosper under just rule. The people whose hearts you aim to win. If you demand blind allegiance, I respect your wishes gray one can behead me or your dragons can devour me but if you let me live i will serve you well i will dedicate myself to seeing you on the iron throne because i choose you because i know the people have no better chance than you swear this to me Varys. (laughs) if you ever think i'm failing the people you won't conspire behind my back You'll look me in the eye as you have done today, and you'll tell me how I'm failing them. I swear it, my queen. That
2: felt like really mature leadership from Danny. Yeah. That I don't think we've seen much of, for her to respond to that brazen A statement. I also just love Vera saying, I choose you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was weirdly romantic almost.
0: It did feel about as close as Varys can get to romance. <laughs> it also is part one of uh, this week's episode, which I've declared uh, a great week for eunuchs. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's, this might be, of all of the Game of Thrones episodes, the best so far for eunuchs. Yeah, um, I think you're right. And it also it served before that whole speech, which I really love. And I think that... Um, the actor whose name I can't remember sells so just so beautifully before that was like the world's most succinct Game of Thrones recap. Like it covered all six seasons. Where yeah, she totally. was like, you supported my brother. He's like, I totally did. And she was like, then you did this. And he was like, yep, I did. And then she was like, "And this too." And he was like, uh-huh. And she was like, then Gendry was on the water. like, How does she
2: know who Gendry is? <laughs> yep. It was, it was a good recap. It also I think help establish in the same way that the scene with the Hound last week did and the scene with the Lannister soldiers did last week. This idea that, oh, yeah, we forget as we're watching this show that we believe in democracy because we're like, which person do we want to be on the throne? And then I go, oh, wait, I don't want I don't want a monarchy. That seems like bad government. Maybe we should have a vote. Oh, wait. But then you realize that there are people like Varys and... Well, maybe we used to think, think Littlefinger had Harris. some <laughs> thoughts for others or was thinking about the realm, but really, no, just Varys. Yep. Tyrion. Maybe Tyrion. Tyrion yeah. potentially. Maybe John. Maybe uh, he's <laughs> interested in the good of the realm. He seems a reluctant king, at sure. least. Oh, he, he admits And he lets much. the wildlings yeah. in. So I feel like he's a little more of a humanist <laughs> than a right. monarchist.
0: We're really just getting started with the whole democratization movement of Westeros uh-huh. so far. So uh-huh. that's we're just at the, the baby steps of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Varys from the beginning has been quietly trying to have peace in the realm.
0: Which is so bizarre because if you... I, so I went back and watched... Uh, The whole of Game of Thrones before the season seven premiere. Oh, good. And I, yeah, that's the kind of life that I live (laughs) a lonely one. Uh, And I forget that within the first couple of episodes, Varys and Littlefinger are pitched as the bad guys they are pitched as like the power behind the throne and the ones who are conspiring towards evil and because Ned is kind of your entrance into the world at the very beginning of the show and they are essentially kind of there to screw him over you're like these are the people I need to pay attention to because they're going to be exactly the sneaky sneaks yeah and then now to have a moment from Varys where I'm like oh you're the hero of the show I didn't Realized that that had happened subtly over the course of seven years. But I really, I I kind of love him. I yeah.
2: kind of.
1: Yeah, that's a great transition to note. I completely forgot about that.
2: Since so the three of us are experts in military history, shall oh. we dissect the battle plan? <laughs> oh my, wow. Please, let's. <laughs> uh, I, it.
0: <laughs> you have dragons. Those are things that you have three of. Right, Maybe utilizing them a little bit. My, I understand not wanting to cause unnecessary deaths, not wanting to be a queen of ash, which is right, a great right. turn of phrase. Yes, but at the very least, if you are going to send armies in three different directions, use one dragon to cover each army. Maybe just yeah. A, yeah, a good air idea. Cover. Yeah, <laughs> that just a little like bit real of air military cover. theory. Yeah, yeah. Like, like so I got said, I am an troops expert.
1: And the air force, and you've
0: got some boats. Yeah, you've got everything covered. You've got land, sea, and air. You've got. Hamburgers, filet of fishes, and a chicken sandwich. You're set.
2: <laughs> I do think that it's interesting that they're basically creating reasons not to use the dragons because the dragons make things too easy.
0: Right. Potentially. And also probably cost too much money for the CGI budget.
2: Like a mixture of the two. That also came up when it comes to the wolves, which we'll get to later. But yeah, the dragons, I think, are also not as focused a weapon as Danny would like to use. So maybe she can send them out and tell them burn. But I don't know if they can drone strike Cersei in King's Landing as opposed to just everyone who lives in King's Landing. Seems to be the problem. Sure. Right, we don't
1: have any indication that she can, like, specifically tell them what to do and they'll do it.
2: Because shouldn't she be able to just say, like, this is Cersei's window. <laughs> right. Just yeah. blow fire into that room. Yes. And see. But no, no, yeah. Okay. No, she's not
0: there yet. That said, they do talk a lot about how... They don't want to massacre again. She wants to be the queen of the entire country, not just the queen of ash. I, having seen what we've seen of the citizens of Queens La- or King's Landing, though. Sorry, <laughs> jumping ahead of myself nice. a little bit. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> If those people maybe don't deserve, deserve to be saved. I feel like the most prominent citizen in King's Landing that is not a major character is the guy that flashed Cersei that one time. Oh, yeah, and it's like, if great. those are the folk. Maybe it's okay to dragon them up a little bit. Dragging them up.
1: Dragging them up. Also worth noting, Melisandra showing up. Oh, that's right. Does make you wonder about the passage of time once again
2: in Westeros. <laughs> wait, like, like wait how did minute. she get there? It's been a while. It, they guess. got all the way across the sea. In I the same suppose. amount of time that she rode a horse. We we do say that it's
0: been a while, but I've been judging the passage of time strictly by Cersei's hair growth. Oh. And it really doesn't seem like it's been that long. Because <laughs> yeah, she's case, been rocking that same kind of great. John and Kate plus eight style <laughs> for a while now.
2: And then before we leave Dragonstone, there's another good day for a eunuch happening in Dragonstone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Finally. And this is, again, another beautiful scene, but also... I was so I watched this uh with my girlfriend Kim, and we were both finally like, oh, we're gonna be able to. Game of Thrones is gonna show this. This is gonna be a thing that happens. We're gonna see the Kendall? We're gonna see the Kendall. Yeah. And the one thing that this show is unwilling to actually show yep. is is eunuch swimsuit area. <laughs> <laughs> we did see eunuch butt, but no front
1: swimsuit area.
0: Let me tell you, this scene.
2: Two great butts. Really great butts. Both and of those great nice butts. nice breasts as yes, well. Absolutely. Let's be honest. So the tally now for this season is yes. two butts, yep. one boobs. Two
0: butt, one boobs. One boobs, seto boobs, setto boobs. <laughs> Let me put that into my over-under sheet here. Oh, yeah, two I definitely butts, wrote boob. that down. I, I, I'm also curious, and I don't know much about the life of a eunuch, but he has been an Unsullied his entire life. Yes. And I'm not sure what the sexual education is like for the Unsullied. But how did he know what to do in that situation? I, I, I'm I, not saying that <laughs> I love wanna, how Miles I'm is not like, entirely I sure if you. I want to go into my own uh, torrid sexual history. But for my first sexual experience, I don't think that I would have had any idea what to do. And he was like, I got this. I'm Grey Worms.
2: I, mean, <laughs> I like the way you just moved away from the microphone I mean, and headed south. Right.
1: I would, I would guess that maybe if you felt like there was something you needed to compensate for...
0: That would be the way. You might
1: learn as much as you could about other ways. But
0: he's never felt this before. He's never even been remotely interested. That said, uh, we're going to head to King's Landing soon where uh, somebody was proclaimed warden of the south. But for this episode, I think Grey Worm (laughs) officially (laughs) warden of the south. I respect that. Can we
1: go back to part of the battle plan for just a second? Sure. So Tyrion said that the Unsullied need to take Casterly Rock because while the Lannisters are mostly in King's Landing, they are the ones who hold the power, and if you really want to get to the the Lannisters, you have to get Casterly Rock. But who actually is at Casterly Rock? Isn't Kavan still there? Uncle Kavan? Oh, Oh, Kevin.
0: Great leader Uncle Kevin.
2: Okay,
0: fine. But still, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, isn't it empty over there? Also, Kavan
2: might be dead, and I may have forgotten that he's dead. (laughs) But that's where I think the Lannister army is still centered, because when we see the next time on, there's a lot of marching in winter in red with lions and, you know. They apparently still have a lot of their standing army there as okay. opposed to living in the capital. Thank you for clarifying.
0: There's so. just no one that we know by name there other than potentially Kevin Kavan. Uncle Kavon. Kevin yes. Kavan. Kivan. Kivan.
1: <laughs> okay, moving to town.
2: Is that nope. where we head next? <clears throat> moving now to Winterfell. I ah, yes.
0: Winterfell. <laughs> uh, I said this earlier, but the thing I was most excited about to be here was to hear these live. And I'm so glad. And for when I say Welcome. live, I need people to know that literally these are performed live. We if have I a full dance we... in here. It is... It's really amazing.
2: Yeah, we wanted to go live with the orchestra and the Foley artists and the voice actors this week because people didn't seem to understand just how much work we'd put into the ones from mm-hmm. last week. So mm-hmm. we this had to is to up yet another notch.
0: We can't have direwolves on the show because we've spent all the money on... It's Warriors. also a problem <laughs> for us. <laughs>
2: yes, exactly. So we don't spend a lot of time in Winterfell, but we have Tyrion saying to... Danny. He sent, he sent the raven. That there's a raven being sent. And it's good to remember, Miles, you'll remember if you rewatched the beginning of the show, season one, because I rewatched some of season one, too, that Tyrion and John do have a really lovely yeah. first couple of interactions and do have a bond. Oh, because they're then, bastards. Course, yes. Yeah, well, all well, they're not both bastards, but they're both unloved children.
3: All dwarves
2: are bastards in their father's eyes. What does that mean?
3: It's something he said to me the first night we met. You know him better than any of us. What do you think?
2: Tyrion's not like the other Lannisters. He was always kind to me, but it's too great a risk. The Seven Kingdoms will bleed as long as Cersei sits on the Iron Throne. Join us. Together we can end her tyranny.
3: Sounds like a charmer course, the casual mention of a Dothraki horde? A legion of Unsullied and three dragons. A bit less charming.
2: I picked that clip in part because it very succinctly shows this is how a family should govern, quietly. Just the three of them, not <laughs> in the room with everyone, stomping their ale and murmuring in agreement or disagreement. Oh. Sansa, this is when you disagree with your brothers. Quietly. And I also just like Davos getting to say anything always. It's
0: yeah,
1: what's just, so great about
0: Davos? Why do we love him so much? Is it the accent? It's a big part of it is the accent, but also because he is, uh, he's one of the few characters in the show who is like a humble person. Mm. He's a person who maybe doesn't desire as much as everyone else. And all he wants to do is love people. And also <laughs> for me, and this is a weakness that is hyper specific to me, uh, <laughs> Go Anyone on. who suffers from adult illiteracy <laughs> really <laughs> holds a super special place in my heart. And watching every time I feel like a proud father watching Davos read, which he does every once in a while,
2: and I'm like, you did it. I'm so proud of you.
1: He did a great job this episode with that letter from Tyrion,
2: too. Yeah, and uh, let's not forget, moment of silence for the person who taught him to read, oh, Shireen, and I who think, is going to uh, come up later I in this was episode. I say, yeah. I think we're going to
0: get some Shireen uh, both in this episode and the next. And I also want to say... Do you guys think that whenever Tyrion writes the word tyranny, he accidentally writes his name first and then has to scratch it out? You think
2: his name autocorrects by hand? I think by hand. It might. I just think
0: that you get so used... There are very few words that start uh, in that same fashion, and I think that he starts writing it and he's like, oh, damn it, that's my name, and he has to scratch it out and then start again. <laughs> you also have to consider that most of the time he's drunk, which doesn't really help. Yeah. That's
2: true. Uh. Yeah.
0: I, I also... You said this is how a family governs, which makes me feel good because it makes me feel like Davos is an adopted brother into the whole group, which I think is just really sweet and something that he deserves.
2: So instead of that being it, that really could have been the whole time we spent in Winterfell.
0: But we got a scene also with a bunch of harming men uh, and one little girl who just loves to stand up.
2: She stands up when she makes a point, which is an Ainsley Hayes reference from West Wing that I will make now, which is when when Ainsley Hayes first meets Leo McGarry and she stands up. He says, are you leaving? And she says, no, I'm standing. Because that's how one. uh, Let me get the quote right. (laughs) <laughs> That's how one voices opposition in a civilized world. Mm. Ah, this is just another... pulled that out of my head, by the way. That's
1: interesting, because Winterfell. I guess Winterfell is pretty civilized, considering. It's getting the rest
0: there of Westeros. slowly but surely. I have to say that I know that everyone I think is probably getting to a point where having Little Mormont get up and say something is grating on them a bit.
2: Yeah, Peter had said no more after last week, so he would be very displeased. The
1: thing is, he said no more of her standing up and defying the crew in support of Jon Snow. And this time and it was the opposite. She, yeah, that's true. This time she defied Jon Snow. So I was kind of like, okay, pass Little Mormont this she time.
0: She has a very specific speech pattern when she gets up to say things. And there has been talk, I think, of a potentially spinning her off into her own show. Yes, mm-hmm. 90 Shows that they're going to do within this universe. And I would love to see her, because I think the one thing that we don't really get is the ability to see her just as a kid. Mm. And I would love to see her using that voice to just ask for like typical kid things like a peanut butter and jelly. Like 100, like for generations. The Mormont family has eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwiches without the crust on. And that's all I ask today. I like that
1: you're She's so
2: adorable. Lady Mormont sounds a lot like Dobby that's the House. Really elf. From
1: oh Dobby. Listen though, before we get too far from the West Wing. Mm. This is very unrelated, but also important. I ended up watching some of Ballers after Game of Thrones for some you reason. You just didn't turn off your TV, yes. And Richard Schiff is in Ballers I know. now, <laughs> and it just really blew my mind. So I just wanted Trisha to make sure that you knew that
0: they do um, seem important. Ballers, the West Wing of sports marketing shows. <laughs> that is,
1: there you go. My favorite was just seeing smirking Baelish in that scene. Oh. He did such a good job smirking over
0: there. I also love that no one offers him a seat. He just always <laughs> has the same corner of the wall to lean on and smirk. And It's that civil opposition.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it's also nice. So we also get a scene after we leave the council. We finally get a scene somewhere else in Winterfell. <laughs> That's which a is good point. in the crypts. Yeah. And – uh John and, and Littlefinger have a scene together where Littlefinger essentially is like, I got boners for every female member of your family. Ooh. It's so creepy. It Ooh. is so creepy. And it's so creepy that when John gets furious and chokes him out, you're kind of like, ah, Littlefinger probably likes this a little too much.
2: <laughs> oh, no. Like you
0: can see Littlefinger kind of
2: smirking a little bit there, too. And he's no. like, oh, that's I good. really thought that was going to be the moment when Littlefinger was going to tell John who his parents are. yes. Because he knows. And I think they were actually teasing us, the audience, Mm -hmm. with that because Littlefinger almost told Sansa seasons ago in the crypt when they were at her Aunt Liana's uh, tomb. Right. And now they're in front of Ned's tomb and he could have said, by the way, that's not your dad. But he told. I mean, you know, at some point he's gonna have to figure that out. Maybe Brand's gonna be the one to tell mm-hmm. him eventually, and they're waiting for that moment. Because also, John probably wouldn't believe Littlefinger. I guess there's that too. That's a good point. I certainly wouldn't. I wouldn't I either.
0: Him. They are also, I think, pitching a potential aunt nephew romance between John and Danny. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe they want us to get to this new form of incest first before they reveal it to the characters. I think they want to. It's an incest tease because the show <laughs> oh. really has dealt yeah. with so many various forms of incest and finally we get one that hasn't been put together yet
2: yeah so John can go to Dragonstone and think about marrying Danny for power yes perhaps for love perhaps but romance. definitely for power <laughs> because he won't realize they're related although Targaryens did marry each other yeah, anyway I mean, so. cool. they loved it it's cool <laughs> all right I think we should take just a quick break and then come back to King's Land hey
3: guys Peter again it's uh, Sunday. Get out here in the woods for three days. Now it's just so great. It's, it's just beautiful, natural, and I'm. There's so many wonderful things to do in just wandering around in this beautiful natural landscape with no cell phone service or cable. That I'm really not thinking about tonight's episode at all. I just wanted you to know that. And uh, in a weird way, I I, I I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you guys that you're going to be stuck inside of watching this TV show when I am out here in this beautiful, rustic, very remote. Place where I can't watch TV. Because who would want to watch TV? Anyway, I want to let you know that I'm, I'm totally happy missing this week's episode and won't miss at all uh, telling you you're wrong about it. So uh, have fun.
2: Do you believe Peter, though? He's starting to sound <laughs> a little worried. Yeah, it's a little later. Like there's
1: a certain shrillness. Extra shrillness to his voice. I think I
0: there's say. a possibility that Peter is lost in the woods and <laughs> is too proud to admit it.
2: <laughs> if he has enough service to call us, hopefully his GPS is working. <laughs> Hold the phone up in the air, Peter. <laughs> Stand on a little stump like the Lorax. <laughs> All right, we must head to town now. All right, King's Landing. We have Cersei. Oh, good.
0: King's Landing. That's it. That's the stuff. That's a really good one.
2: <laughs> the drums in that reminded me of the beginning in Aladdin of the Make Way for Prince Ali. Oh, yeah.
0: We- <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Da,
2: da, da,
1: da.
0: It's so beautiful.
2: <laughs> Cersei is wearing her awesome Disney villain armor. Yes. yes. Speaking of Disney movies, it,
0: <laughs> I, and it, she is full on, I, her eyebrows do not go anywhere but arched directly down now, which I really yep. enjoy.
2: Um, this, I think, I, I was just going to say, I think that this is an interesting strategy that's actually pretty politically savvy for her to take, which is to be real racist. <laughs> it does feel
0: like maybe it's a little too on the nose being like, they're foreigners. No one likes foreigners. That's my, my Mormont sounds a lot like Davi and my Cersei sounds a lot like a weird old man. Or <laughs> uh, the sorting hat, actually. Oh, uh, all of my voices <laughs> are strictly from Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm not that wheezy. <laughs>
2: That's my sorting hat.
0: Gryffindor. So good. Um, we can all agree that Cersei's probably a Hufflepuff, right?
1: Uh, what would Cersei be? Well, she's, she's Slytherin. Clearly, Slytherin. <laughs> clearly. Sorry, I shouldn't have had to think about that for no, so long. At all.
2: It's obvious. And Jamie was supposed to be in Gryffindor, but told the hat he had to be in Slytherin with his sister. Yeah, yep. for sure.
0: <laughs> to keep her safe, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh but it is, it works. That's the thing, is like, again, we sometimes, watching the show, forget that these are, in general, perhaps a small-minded and hateful group of people who it's very easy to be like, they're savages. And again, speaking of Disney movies, it's hard not to think of that Pocahontas song where they mm. sing savages, savages, barely even human, during this section of the show.
2: Yeah, this is a lot of Disney yeah, references this is So much Disney that are all best, pretty true, though. And also we get... One of the worst dads. You thought maybe most of the really terrible dads in Game of Thrones Mm. were dead? Oh, no. We've still got Randall Tarly, Mm -hmm. who is an awful human. Terrible. Uh... That said,
0: we already know how poorly Randall Tarly has treated Sam well. Uh, Not not well at all. But when Jamie approaches Randall and... Uh, meets his son as well and first gets his name wrong by calling him Rickon and then you find out that the son's name is Dickon. <laughs> like Samwell's got it bad but at least Samwell's name isn't Dickon Tarly. I, that's yeah. pretty rough also, for that Also, Randall
2: Tarly's such a terrible dad that his son was recast. That was not the person who played <laughs> Good. Sam's brother in the You're not even gonna season. say Please, that can, name, are you? You can say his name Dickon Tarly.
1: Tarly. Actually, I'm pretty sure it's Richardon, guys.
2: Oh, you know true, yeah,
1: and he just made a terrible <laughs> mistake sure. in choosing his nickname, but
0: yeah, it, not only a bad dad, but also somebody who gave Jamie this big speech, like, you know, the Tarleys are not oath breakers. And essentially, all Jamie did was say, Really? and he was like, Okay, we're oath breakers, <laughs> just kidding, we're with you guys.
3: <laughs>
2: yep, yep. And then we have Kyburn saying, We're working on a solution. Ooh, this? That is was a bad Kyburn. But I liked it. You can... I also always forget when I'm writing it in my phone, when I'm writing notes, that mm, it's a q. Yeah, q. And then when I read recaps later, I realize it's a Q. And then I like to think of him as Q from James Bond. q Who's like, let's he look does. at the gadget I've built uh, yeah. to help you with your quest. It's not inaccurate.
1: I loved how sophisticated they thought that technology
0: was. I am furious. This is where the episode really started to lose me. Because here is a man who who has risen the dead. Yeah. That is a thing that he has done. True. So when he said we have a solu-, or we're working on a solution, I was like, "Oh, I can't oh, see what- to see what he's come up with." And his solution was just shoot him in the face.
2: <laughs> I got a real big crossbow. <laughs> years <laughs> yeah. and big years
0: crossbow. people have been dealing with dragons, these unstoppable forces forever. And you are telling me that none of these brilliant military minds of Westeros thought about Shooting them? That's never come <laughs> surface up.
2: Surface-to-air missiles. What
0: about just a really big gun? Oh, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> what? Come on now. But it is, it's really nice. So they go down to this, uh, to what's essentially the natural history museum of oh, King's Landing. yeah, that is uh, what it is. And at some point in time, Cersei suggests that Robert Baratheon took some of his whores down here, which is perhaps the strangest place to have a tryst. But it does make me feel like maybe he's a big nerd and brought them down and was like, look at all the bones. This is the special collection. They have 76 teeth. Did you know? (laughs) Oh, Robert. Keep oh, talking know. dirty to me.
1: I just like that you still called it a tryst in this context.
0: <laughs> That's right. No, he's a very innocent. It's romantic. Man, <laughs> I. It, it's just. It, it is a nice image though to have uh, Cersei pull the lever and yeah. have it shoot straight through this dragon's skull. Oh, she looked so happy. She did. She was thrilled, and it is nice to see her happy because I have a feeling true. we're not going to be able to see her <laughs> smile much uh, over the next two seasons.
2: Uh, All right, shall we head? To the library.
0: Here we are making our way back to the Citadel. (laughs)
2: Did you guys also?
0: Did you already make a -a shitadel joke? Has that already happened?
2: No. Well
0: done, sir. Well, I'm going to go back into the past and write that into Peter's script.
1: We are so (laughs) glad to have you here, Miles. All right, so Jorah is obviously not well. No, this no. is my least favorite storyline. Really? Yeah.
0: I, here's the thing: is I will take any opportunity to watch Archmaester Slugworth uh, <laughs> work his magic, and it's also nice to be able to do an impression of somebody on the show and have it match up because he is a Harry Potter character, mm-hmm. so I can get a one to one exchange. But
1: it's Slughorn, it's, it's, right? Slughorn. Not okay, Slug, good. I'm sorry. I was thinking
0: Slug- of Willie, Miles Slugworth from, from Willy, Willy Wonka. Wonka. Oh, that's. Yes. Remember when Sam had to steal the Incredible Gobstopper from the Archmaester's room? <laughs> His invisibility cloak. <laughs> uh, it, it it is it is this is the new Dorn. I think it, yeah. it does kind of feel that way, and that it all kind of drags. It's a story that could be told in kind of like one scene, which is Sam discovers something and he deals with it. And it's a lot of I I love Jim Broadbent. I think that he's great. I, I it's nice to have another character who finds everything in the world exhausting. For sure. Uh, <laughs>
1: for sure. No, I mean specifically Jorah and his grayscale. <laughs> like, I just don't give a shit about the forever Jorah quest. and his grayscale. Sure. yeah, it The just, letter I he just... was
2: writing to Khaleesi. Yeah,
1: it oh. just doesn't matter, man.
2: I mean, I think the Citadel matters a ton. I, for sure. But, but it's I'm too spe- easy for Sam to read the books that have all the answers all at once. So he's got to have some other science experiments to do, I guess, in that, the meantime. Right,
0: right. That is true. And it is also, it was nice to have the moment where... Uh, where he and the Archmaester are walking through the library and he's collecting books for him. And the Archmaester is suggesting that he's going to write a book about these wars. <laughs> and he's just looking for a title. And it made me feel like the very last episode of the show is going to be the two of them together. And Sam's going to say... What about Game of Thrones? Yeah, and the Archmaster mm-hmm. is going to smile and they're going to high five. Freeze frame credits.
2: Yep. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people think that actually what we are all experiencing is the version of this story that Samuel Tarly writes as a maester oh. after it's all finished. And it's so I thought that a was a wink kid. to that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a wink to the idea that it's really you know Archmaester Marwyn will not survive probably long enough to finish writing it, but that Sam will write a Song of Ice and Fire. And that will be how this story sort of wraps up And that freeze frame credits.
0: And that explains why this version of the story, Sam, a person who is not capable as a warrior, barely capable as like a student, is able to <laughs> score just a super cute, super sweet person that he teaches to read. Oh, again, Ooh. more illiteracy. It's getting me right where it hurts. I also... Uh, I find it fascinating. When they first started talking about the Citadel, I was so excited to go there. Because again, clearly, uh, I just make love to books is Mm -hmm. apparently the thing Mm -hmm. that's my number one character trait. And that first scene that you get with this kind of swooping, you know, and you see all of the books in the library. And it's just one of the many libraries at the Citadel. And you feel Sam's joy. uh, And then it turns out that it's not that nice of a place. And it is, in fact, the place where Perhaps the two grossest scenes for me in Game of Thrones. And again, yeah. I rewatched it recently and next to uh Viserys getting gold poured on his head. Yeah. Oh yeah. The two scenes that have taken place in the Citadel have destroyed food for me, <laughs> perhaps forever. And it is like so I can no longer eat soup because of last week's episode, <laughs> and yeah, now that, I can no longer eat pot that pie. That pie.
1: Transition oh, was it's heartbreaking. It was something. Somebody on Twitter called it like horrific and phenomenal, which I thought was just <laughs> yeah. like such a perfect comedy. Yeah, it was like yes. Also, it was both of those things.
0: The cure for grayscale is just. Take yeah, the grayscale just, off yeah, and then pick put an the ointment off. on. Yeah. That's
2: it? And maybe it works. It uh, worked twice and it killed the guy who yeah, made uh, it. Worth noting,
1: Archmaester Pyle wrote the cure, but he died of greyscale. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Makes me a little bit nervous for Sam. Like, I have a feeling that Jorah might make it out, but maybe Sam won't.
1: Right, because it's he's super contagious. He's
0: wearing big rubber gloves, though. Is, I think just with the gloves huge, he's good to go? His face is completely exposed. Did his his giant watch... face, but he's got big <laughs> rubber gloves on.
2: <laughs> Did he watch he's the Bloodborne Pathogens video? When he signed on to be an intern at the Citadel, did he have to watch the Bloodborne Pathogens video? I
0: certainly hope so. And also,
1: a mask at
2: least would have been good. Can't get a
0: bit of milk of the poppy. He's got to use rum instead. Oh, yeah, milk of the
2: poppy, man. Come Come on. on. Come on. All right, speaking of pie, which we were speaking about a minute ago. In transit from one
0: area to another.
1: That's a really good one. (laughs)
0: I feel like Hot Pie deserves
2: his own song. Hot
1: Pie.
2: Hot Pie. Well, there we got that now. Okay, perfect. It's in the bag. It's in the bag for when we see Hot Pie again, which will be never.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. What I liked about Hot Pie is that he had hot tips, and then he told Aria... Yes. That her bro, John, had taken over Winterfell. It
0: was really nice. What I didn't like about Hot Pie is that once again, they were paying fan service to Macy and he was replaced by, they replaced the original actor with Harry Styles, which seemed super out of character. (laughs) (laughs) Weird, right? Macy. Hot uh, Pie. It was strange for me to have uh, Arya, in the previous episode where she met Ed Sheeran, she seemed to be old Arya a little bit. Like she was able to immediately kind of feel comfortable with these people and talk and joke and be happy. She seemed shell-shocked in Hot Pie's uh, kitchen. And it that for me felt wrong. It felt like her character was taking a step backwards. Mm-hmm. But it also, I understand that the reason that they were doing it was to sell the moment where she found out that her family was still alive and had retaken Winterfell. And that moment was... Made me cry. It was very beautiful, <laughs> uh, and it it was also nice to mix it in with her meeting old friends uh, and and kind of. Uh, being able to show a little bit of that she's not just a murderous uh, person anymore; that she still is capable of being a warm, kind of funny person who, at the very end, touches a friend's shoulder gently before riding off to the north.
2: Goodbye, hot pie. Thanks,
3: hot pie.
1: <laughs> don't die. Well, I think hot too. I mean, I know I was a little worried that about that scene and what would happen when she found out that John had taken Winterfell, and would she just be like, "Whatever, I don't give a shit. I right. got my list. I gotta go." You know, the fact that she was like, oh, I'm changing my plans now. I'm going to go north is very exciting.
0: And this was the first time that I think in a long time that the show has presented – me with a character that has a choice where I'm not entirely sure what choice This way going on the road?
2: Mm-hmm. That way on the road. Mm-hmm. That was the choice. Yes. It was very literal. Literally
0: someone said, this way to King's Landing. And walked away in their cart. And I was like, who is just making these pronouncements? And it was so, it was really refreshing to see her turn around. Speaking of spinoffs, I would love to see a great Westerosi bake-off that just is hosted <laughs> oh, by Hot Pie. Oh
2: my and god! Yes. the
0: whole show. It's I would Mary Berry and Hot Pie together, finally. <laughs> (laughs) Um, but we don't stay she starts to ride north and then she has yet another reunion that maybe this one I, I don't know how I feel about it
2: yeah
1: yeah, it was a weird one. Did you do some interneting about what the deal was with that phrase that Arya? what was it? You're well, not. Well,
2: so the show creators actually explain it in the Inside the Episode. Oh, good. When I
1: was watching Ballers, you were watching Inside the Episode.
0: <laughs> Weirdly enough, in that episode of Ballers, The Rock also explains it.
2: <laughs> he was very concerned about infertility and Nymeria. <laughs> And so the idea is that it's a callback to something that she said to her father, Ned, in season one, where he says, you're going to be a lady in a dress and a castle and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, "Mm -mm." And she says, that's not me. But I think that actually some people have wished it to be a more interesting, nuanced callback to things that happen in the books that don't happen in the show, Mm. which is that in the books, Bran isn't the only Stark who can warg. Into the minds of animals, specifically into the mind of their direwolf. Arya's been doing it for years in the books. And so the idea that some people had online was that it was actually Arya verbalizing what Nymeria was saying it's not you. Oh. And so that would be Whoa. Nymeria saying to Arya, you are not, you are no one. I don't know who you are. Which I think is actually much cooler, and so sometimes I feel like the internet should write the show, but then I realize that would be a disaster, and I see to you the creators and your vision I, that involves less warging.
0: That actually is something before I saw the um, After Thrones with Benahoff and Weiss, I was also kind of nervous uh, that that was the case. That So Nymeria knew enough to know not to devour Arya alive, right. but also knew that she had changed enough that it was not the girl that the dire wolf had connected to and grown up with. So uh, Nymeria was willing to leave her behind, but was also someone who was going to leave her. And it also made me a little bit nervous that, so Arya has set herself on this path to the north and then runs into a wolf. So who that the last time that she had saw, had seen this wolf, they were both so much younger and yeah, had season different one. courses in life. And now she's seen this wolf with its own pack, living its own life, doing its own thing. And she's realized that she has to let the wolf go. So she says that it's not you. So I'm worried that Arya is also talking about herself and will then turn south again to go back on her mission. It's not you. You're not that girl anymore from Winterfell. It's time to turn back and kill the queen.
2: Oh, no. No, man.
0: I know.
1: (laughs) Someone on the Twitters thought maybe she was going to go kill Baelish, which would be pretty exciting. Oh, that'd be great. Someone's got to
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We will head to the ocean in just a minute. We'll take a break.
3: Okay, look, it's Sunday night, and I've decided what I'm doing is I'm just going to try to train some chipmunks to act out scenes from Game of Thrones. It's not going well. Um, so if you can, nail something, a summary, uh, maybe just a bloodstain, just something to get me by. Man, you know, I just I just need something to take the edge off. Um, all right, I'll... I'll I'll talk to you soon. I think, I think the chipmunks are about to have a fight. Bye.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Peter, buddy. I thought. He was ready to be away from Game of Thrones on a Sunday night, but that doesn't sound like it's going well for him. Yeah, I never thought he was ready. I knew he wouldn't be able to handle it. It's I too much.
0: I am excited for next season when one of those chipmunk stars uh, <laughs> as a new character that we haven't seen yet.
2: I also am worried that he's going to come back with rabies because he's probably pri- <laughs> oh, no. he's probably trying to put a tiny blonde wig on the Daenerys chipmunk.
1: God, Peter with rabies is just going to be insufferable. <laughs> okay, so now we're on boats. <gasps>
0: Sailing along at sea.
1: (laughs) Okay, before we get into the really horrible stuff that happens at sea. You
0: mean when Theon has to watch his sister make uh, out with somebody? Oh, well, that.
1: that, No, that was actually the part I liked. Oh, I'm sorry. I just (laughs) enjoyed the phrase foreign invasion when it came to like a. Oh, good, good. So, you're going to be queen of the Iron Islands once I kill my uncle and what will you be handsome
3: whatever my queen commands
1: you'll be my advisor my protector oh I see
0: your protector
1: so if someone gets too close to you you might have to intervene to hold that person back until they've made their intentions known are you standing all the way over there then a foreign invasion is underway. Even be
2: ayo. A foreign invasion is underway. I groaned. <laughs> Rightly so. At that writing, but also okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> A boy I, in every port, boy or girl depends on the port. It's like we get it. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it is.
0: It, it's also nice for the show to uh, give us a brief scene with the Sand Snakes to remind us why we hate them.
2: They're the worst. Turns out that's all it takes. Before, they're like the Kardashians with martial arts skills. I, oh, wow. It is
0: insane that the show can take uh, a group of women who all have their own individual weapons that they're great at using. And the first scene that with the Sand Snakes, again, I had rewatched, is Awesome, and I was like, I am ready for this, and in the books, they're great mm-hmm. uh, but in that their argument scene about uh, is is terrible is terrible, and it makes what comes next that much easier to deal
3: with
0: Huron <laughs> uh, is a crazy face pirate,
1: yep, neuronn is insane, that mustache
0: he it it is so nice in the show. <laughs> To have a villain who is campy,
2: it feels like (laughs) we have not
0: had a renaissance fair style villain in the show. Like Joffrey is a straight up crazy person who's weird and sadistic and there's no fun in him. And Ramsay is the same way. Euron takes joy in his evil, uh-huh. and that makes him fun to watch. That and the eyeliner. Uh, <laughs> but when he comes crashing down on this <laughs> dragon-mouthed thing that crushes a man, and he's just like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do some no. killing. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he does what uh, everybody who watches Game of Thrones has wanted to do for the past three years, which is eliminates most of Dorne. <laughs>
3: Yep.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. He does. He kills, if I'm not mistaken, I have it written down here, uh, Whale Rider and Whip Face. So <laughs> You looked up the names? <laughs> those are their two names. It's Keisha Castle-Hughes, who played Whale Rider in the great movie Whale Rider. Wow. And then the girl with a whip. <laughs> uh, I like to think of them as Tony, 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 the great '90s pop group. I'm not sure which Tony is which one, but
2: two of them are dead. Uh, is right up but to two you. of them
0: are dead now by their own weapons, uh, which is even better.
2: And now we know what I think we know that Ellaria, who killed Cersei's youngest, or who killed Cersei's daughter, yes, is the gift. Is the gift, and
0: also her daughter is the gift. So that because the, there's a surviving Sand and there's Ellaria, so the two of them are. They're the gifts together,
2: right? I think so. That's the deal?
0: Yeah. They and come boring. as a package set. Theon boring. becomes
2: Reek again and oh. jumps into the water. That I, was
0: so frustrating. Remember when I said that this was a great week for eunuchs? Yeah, I was I
1: gonna,
2: yeah, yeah. It, two out of three eunuchs ain't bad. <laughs> two,
0: you know what? Two out of three eunuchs <laughs> agree. It's a majority. It, it, it Outside of it being infuriating within the show, it drives me crazy outside of the show because I was done with Theon's story. I, I I was he he'd made a complete arc, and i'm I'm done with him I, right. I, I don't find him interesting as a character anymore. No. I don't find Reek interesting to be honest, and i I get that it it's a little bit realistic to have a person who's gone through massive mental anguish, not maybe be over it immediately when he meets his cool sister. but it, <laughs> there's one place where his path can go, and that he redeems himself by killing Uron that seems to be the journey that he will take and that's not interesting to me i don't mm-hmm. i don't i don't care about him i care about yara yara seems like a cool character who has all of her shit together fion d- doesn't and i the moment when you knew that he was going to change back to reek i was like <sighs> no come
3: on <laughs> yeah
1: well it also just feels like It feels like a cheap storyline trick too, right? Because he already was that. We thought he, you know, moved past that as much as he could. And the fact that he's just going to jump in the water and cry. And it makes him an unreliable
0: character. And any time that he changes, you're just going to be ready for them to be like, he changed back. Surprise, he disappointed you again. Yeah, it just
2: seems super convenient and lame. I think it's slightly more interesting than the two of you who are (laughs) hating on it real hard. (laughs) Good. Because I think that too many people have been through too much trauma in this show and we haven't seen it affect them. So I do think that that's kind of interesting. But also, Theon was never brave. It wasn't like he went from brave to reek to something else. He was always sort of a whiny servant of Ned Stark. And then he got captured. Like, he spent his whole life in some form of captivity, basically. Except for the hot minute when he tried to be in charge. For a hot
1: minute. Right, but that to me was like, oh, he's he's doing it. Like, he's he's ready to yeah. fight for now himself he's
2: and Rose the people in the leo ocean ups. you
0: know and leo has sunk oh wow. so sad the oh heart God. of the ocean just going he's to the bottom Rose. i i do appreciate the idea that people have been through a lot and maybe you don't get to see them deal with the anguish afterwards that said in theon's story there were two seasons of that anguish. He was mentally broken. He was a broken creature. And the story, the uplift arc that you got with him was that he was able to pull himself out of it and come back. So you saw him not only deal with the downfall of being a broken person, but you got to see him put himself back together through his connections with his Stark family and through his connections with his Greyjoy family. And that was nice. It, again, it felt like he had made a complete arc. And I think it's disappointing to mm-hmm. pull that out from under us.
2: Regression. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Now time for a voicemail that hopefully is not another voicemail from Peter because he should try to enjoy nature. It's yeah. going to yeah. be there. from
0: the chipmunk.
2: And a reminder <laughs> that if Pick you this guy up. <laughs> a reminder that if you would like to call us and leave a voicemail with your thoughts on the episode, do that by calling 312-948-4687. We have a toll-free number, which I don't really know how that works, but we do. I know it's, 855-855-923-9993. Let's hear a voicemail. Hey, this is Mark
3: from Boston. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy your podcast. When you're talking about the gift that Euron Greyjoy is going to bring to Cersei, you don't mention that in the books at the King's Moot, where Euron was chosen as the king, he had a horn that if you blow the horn, it kills the dragons. Nobody's mentioned that yet, and I think that would be an amazing gift for him to give to Cersei, because with that, you could kill
0: Daenerys' dragons. That was Mark Wahlberg, which is it's nice of him <laughs> Mark to call from him from <laughs> Boston. This is a thing that I initially thought, too, in the last episode when he said that he was going to bring back a gift to somebody who had read the books. That was my assumption. The horn! The horn! Uh, finally, the horn's going to be here. At long live the horn. And then Kyburn mentioned in this episode that they were working on a way to defeat the dragons. Is it the horn? Is it going to be the horn? No, it's a, it's a huge S-crossbow. <laughs>
3: uh
0: I I'm wondering if it's going to be a thing that's cut completely. That, it that's seems the way it's like seeming. It. Like yeah. yeah,
1: that's so lame. It I guess is. I don't know. The dragons seem too e- easy. The horn is even easier. Maybe a, or you something?
0: think that a horn that you blow to kill a
3: dragon—that's <laughs> like kind be of too not, not of the adult. most exciting. It has, it controls the dragon. Controls it the dragon. Drum. So it just
2: changes who the allegiance of the dragons belongs to. Because there's like a dog whistle, but it's like a dragon horn dog whistle situation. Is it a French horn? Uh huh. It yes, yeah. it's a <laughs> yep. French horn. He
0: plays a beautiful song on it. Is it a trombone?
1: <laughs> Is <laughs> it the dragon bone oh, horn? That is
0: the one thing that Euron is missing. The one thing that would make him sexier is like a trombone. <laughs> like if he came down on that thing and was like...
3: <laughs>
2: oh no. Oh, oh when Theon jumped in the water. Whomp, whomp. Again, call us if you have thoughts, predictions, musings, 312-948-4687. You can also tweet at us. We're at Podcast. Or at Peter Sagel. I'm sure he would like to hear how much fun you had listening to this show without him. That would make him feel really good. You should probably tweet at him. If you prefer Miles, let him know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we would all like to know.
2: (laughs) And he's going to make
0: me carry his codpiece even more now as his squire.
1: Thanks to I never write reviews one eight three seven five seven two nine one zero for for taking social security and
0: writing us a nice review. I've on
2: already Apple stolen Podcast.
0: their identities. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man. This show is produced by us, with help from Justin Bull, thanks to our special guest, Miles the Squire. Oh,
0: thank you guys so much. It was a real joy.
2: Peter's back next week, but
1: Miles, I have a feeling we'll be seeing more of you in the oh, future. Oh,
0: shucks. Don't make me blush. <laughs> our executive producer is
1: Joel Meyer. And our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music.
3: Um, There's one squirrel who looks a little bit like Daenerys if you squint, and so I'm trying to get her to sort of, like you know, a things, and there's a really tiny squirrel, I'm calling it Tyrion, it may be a mouse, I don't know anyway, it's not going well